it's nice to see you. Thanks uh, for the warm uh, welcome, uh, Home Depot man. <laughs> the pink gun was my favorite, though. I've always wanted one. <laughs> Kids don't say that. They don't know when I'm joking. Um, <laughs> You know, he is so extremely good. God is so extremely good. And the Lord is, is bringing a transformation. I believe it's worldwide. It has to start in individual lives. It has to start in individual houses of faith where things change because of our understanding of his goodness. You know, people have trembled in his presence before because of his terrifying presence. Now, I mean, terrifying in the sense that he is evil. Terrifying in the sense that he is he's extreme. His, his power, everything is glory. Everything about him is just extreme. And people have trembled at his terrifying presence before. But I don't know if there's ever been a generation that has trembled in the fear of God because of his goodness. But I believe that we're coming into an hour when the Lord is going to overrun all His people with understanding about His goodness. Amen. <clears throat> Moses saw God on several occasions. He had some encounters that lasted up to 40 days. But there was only one time that His face actually radiated with the presence and the glory. And it was after the Lord revealed to him His goodness. He said, I want to see the glory. He said, he hit him in the cleft of the rock. And then it says, he let all his goodness pass before his eyes. That was the time. And I believe in the same way the Lord is about to change the face of the church through a revelation of his goodness. I appreciate it starting tonight. Singing about the goodness of the Lord. Because it's the cornerstone of our theology. He's not mysteriously good in the sense that occasionally he sneaks in evil just because he plans to reverse its effect. He's absolutely good. Jesus Christ is perfect theology. Anything that you think you know about God that you can't find in the person of Jesus, you have reason to question. theologically immoral to use an Old Testament passage to trump and overtake the clear revelation of the Father through Jesus Christ. Everything before Jesus was types and shadows. When Jesus showed up, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It's the exact representation of the Father's nature. And then he said, it's better that I go, and I'm going to give you another helper. The word another means exactly the same. So the same as the Father, so is the Son. And so is the Spirit. What the Lord is wanting to release into the earth is a clear revelation of who he is. He's only been seen in part, and oftentimes it's distorted. Oftentimes it's perverted. Oftentimes it's been contaminated and, and tampered with and human opinion and the soil of our own hands gets onto that that we project before the world 
that is supposed to represent God. How many know that Jesus didn't go through all he went through so we could be church? He, he did what he did because he expects a revolution. Yeah. He anticipates and expects. I'm going to be know he doesn't lead us into praying for something that he is not ready to answer and fulfill. So when he directs us in prayer for the nations, it's because he actually intends on nations being converted. He doesn't ask the question, can a nation be saved in a day, merely to entertain our fantasies or to put off into the millennium things that are too hard to believe for today. Amen. It's irresponsible to take the great promises of Scripture and put them off into a period of time for which we have no responsibility. It's way too easy to look through Scripture and find something that's extraordinary and say, well, that's for the millennium. But it doesn't say that. What it says is that the glory of the Lord will fill the earth. What it says is that He will pour out His Spirit on all flesh. What it says is the kingdom of God is being preached and everyone is pressing into it. What it says is that he's restoring ruined cities. That's what it says. There wasn't a time slot mentioned. It's just a promise. Revealing God's heart and his potential. The potential of his effect in the earth. And he's just looking for someone to adopt a promise and to hover over in prayer and find out if maybe it just might unfold in my lifetime. Sometimes when I write letters, I sign it, possessed by promise. Possessed by promises. Because he's looking for some people to get possessed by promise. People that become captured with what is possible. I love coming here because it's it's a, it's a place where faith is easy. It's a place where the presence is highly valued. It's just not work to be here. And uh, I don't mind going places and working, but I'd rather come where I can kind of jump into the floor of a group of people that love God. And so I, I appreciate that privilege here. And I look forward to every chance I get to come back. But it's because I expect something to happen. You know, I, I expect I expect King Jesus to be glorified. I expect his works to take place. I expect his people to be strengthened and encouraged. I expect there to be impact on the world around us. I expect culture to be formed and shaped. That which creates momentum for every move of God is a culture that will sustain the movement. Those are the things I look for that I hunger for. I hunger for breakthrough here with you. Yeah. Now, there's no lack on his end of the equation. He already took care of everything at the cross. There wasn't anything he left out. The atonement dealt with it all. 
So because of all that, I think we should have a pretty good time. <laughs> I think we should have just a real good time. Do you know that Jesus didn't come to show us what God could do? God is omnipresent. He can heal everyone at once. He came to show us what one man could do who was rightly related to God. He already told us in his word, he says, the Son of Man can do nothing of himself. And I looked it up. That word nothing actually means nothing. (laughs) He had no capacity, no capability to perform miracles in and of himself because he had so restricted himself. It's so set aside divinity, his godness, he's eternally God, he's not a created man. But he's so set that aside and learned to live as a man in right relationship, right relationship with the Father. He was demonstrating what could be possible for anyone who had no sin and was completely empowered and directed by the Holy Spirit. See, if he did everything he did as God, I'm still impressed, but I'm not compelled to follow I'm compelled to applaud. But when I find out that he did it as a man, with the same restrictions that I have, and then he provides the blood to cleanse me from sin, and the spirit given to me without measure, I am completely dissatisfied with where I'm at. Jesus really intended to raise up people that look just like him. Different giftings, different expressions, different, you know, personalities, all that stuff. But people that could make impact on the world around them. And he gave us guidelines. He gave us guidelines like grieve not the spirit. It's all about your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Everything is about that relationship, that connection to the person of the Holy Spirit. That third person of the Trinity that raised Jesus from the dead, the very spirit of resurrection. He assigned him to live in you when your faith was put in Christ. The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you, and he wants out. Zen is a river to affect the world around us. And he taught us in Scripture. Jesus modeled this for us and showed us how to do this kind of a life. And he told us, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. The Scriptures tell us, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. We grieve him when we do things that are wrong. We have wrong agendas. Grieving is a purity issue. It has to do with sin. It has to do with uh, attitudes, thoughts, ideas, agendas, uh, habits, actions. All of that is this, is this if I, if I uh, you know, lose my temper, I grieve him. If I have wrong agendas and self-will, that grieves him. It's all about the purity issue. But the other side of the same coin is quenching out the spirit. And quench means to stop the flow. If you have a garden hose and the water is on and you want to take the hose from one side of the yard to the other, and you don't want it to sprinkle water all over the thing, you just bend the hose in half, you crimp it tight, you carry it to the other side. That crimping of that hose is quenching the spirit. It's a picture of quenching the spirit. 
So think about this with me. In three and a half years of ministry, Jesus did more works that if they were recorded in full detail, the scriptures say the earth couldn't handle the record. That is three and a half years of one person, a relationship with God, not quenching the Holy Spirit. Think about it. It's three and a half years. Three and a half years of the Holy Spirit unquenched. And I really do believe that before this is over, there will not be another person like that, but there will be a generation yeah. that is like that. And, he's, he's and if it's not in my lifetime, then it will be in my kids. And if it's not in theirs, it will be in my grandkids. But it's the whole point is that we're sowing into that generation, creating a momentum that cannot be stopped, creating a momentum in the earth that cannot be stopped. The gospel is not an inferior message. It's not a political power. We do our best not ruling. We do our best in serving. thing that happens when you serve well is you get promoted, you eventually rule. But if you can remember to rule like servants, and learn to serve like kings, then we represent him well. And that's what we want to do. Amen? Amen. Um, yeah. um, there's a table somewhere with stuff. We've got a new devotional out. It's actually excerpts of the first three books. Uh, when Heaven Invades Earth, Transform Mind and Dreaming of God. That's <coughs> back there. It's a series I've had up for a while. It's called Healing or Neglected Birthright. We've actually had uh, some race from the dead uh, as a direct result of that. Makes it fun. How many of you have read uh, When Heaven Invades Earth? Oh, good. How many of you have? Why? <laughs> Sorry, that's oh, my cruel side. <laughs> we have a children's version now. Uh, when heaven invades earth. So I'm real excited about that one. Uh, we also have several books now in uh, audio uh, CD, the full version. It's not abridged. Uh, this one's Dreaming of God, and uh, Dreaming of God is an interesting co-laboring uh, thing, heaven to earth. But uh, it's not about dreams in the night. It's about what you were born for. What happens in, uh, in Christianity for as long as I've been alive is the church keeps crucifying the resurrected man in the name of discipleship. Wow. <laughs> See, death brings a resurrection. And when you deny yourself, step into Christ, something comes alive, and that thing's supposed to remain alive. But people get dreams, they get visions, they get desires, things that form in them through a relationship with God. And to crucify those is not discipleship. Now, you know, I just feel like I'm just opening these cans of worms. 
just leave them. How to overcome disappointment? That's a pretty big one there. And then here's one last one. This is a classic. There are no poopless cows. Yeah. <laughs> Pastor Charles said it would go over well here because this is a lot of dairy community in the area. So. Proverbs 14.4 says, Where no oxen are, the manger is clean. But much increase comes by the strength of the ox. Without the ox who makes the nest, there won't be increase. If success is measured by a clean stall, we create a system that removes risk and avoids discomfort. Those who have said an absolute yes and surrender to God must go beyond the edge of comfort to attract the breakthrough, revival, and increase we all long for. Anyway, and that's back there. for 12 years, but it just, it just, there's, there's like shifts in the way the wind is blowing. And uh, it's just been such an amazing time. I understand there's been tremendous increase of breakthrough miracles here. Uh, I was just at Morningstar, just uh, came in yesterday from uh, uh, the Joiner's place. We had a healing conference. So we had cancer actually fall off of somebody's face. Yeah. It was it just fell off through the anointing. It literally just fell off the body. A woman with colon cancer, uh, the fire hit her in her abdominal area. All the this intense heat came, all the pain left, the tumors that had spread to other parts of her body, all just completely vanished. We're Thank you, God. Looking forward to get the report on that when tumors on the thyroid just dissolved, disappeared. And uh, it's just because he's in a good mood. <laughs> and he has been for quite a while. You know? <laughs> and that's really good news. Yeah. People say, well, he, haven't you heard? He gets mad. I say, yeah, but he's not mad at me. <laughs> and that's something to get really happy about. Yeah. That's how all day long. There's folks in this room that I knew of that need uh, tremendous miracles. And we're going to go after that in just a little bit. If uh, in these uh, times that we're together, if you happen to uh, have a friend or a relative, somebody that is dying and, uh, and they need prayer, they cannot stay, please come and tell us and we'll get a team even to go out to the car or the lobby or whatever and pray for them. Because we, we don't want the duration of the length of a service to keep people that are dying from getting a miracle. We've, had, we've done this for years. We've had... We had uh, one gal who couldn't make it into uh, the meeting. She just stayed out in the lobby. We sent a team out there. She had, as I recall, it was liver cancer. She needed a hip replacement, too. That was the least of her words. She was dying of liver cancer. 
And by the time this team was through praying with her, she not only had no more cancer, but she had a new hip and was dancing all over the place. That makes for a good day. I mean, everybody's in the meeting thinking they're really in the meeting. The real meeting was in the lobby. <laughs> I love it. I love when I love when God's just doing stuff because He just He just does it anywhere. You know, we've we've had. Uh, as I'm just writing this book right now to put this story in about uh, uh, this lady who went through this full-on deliverance in the middle of one of our local Mexican restaurants. It wasn't because the food or the hot sauce. She had cancer, and she had flown from another part of the country to uh, to Reading to receive prayer. And some of our folks were sitting at a table next to her, heard that she had cancer. They went over and began to pray for her. She was uh, heavily demonized and began to manifest right in the middle of the restaurant. Kind of creates a scene. You got more feathers falling. That's good. I like feathers. I like them. Get enough of them. Make a pillow of it. Come on. There we go. So some of our folks began to minister and just uh, really to honor and protect her dignity and just help her get free and, and uh, took charge of that spirit that likes attention and just uh, brought in a subjection, led her through some prayer and that thing got broken off. Anyway, the cool thing was these waitresses, they're all walking at a, quite a distance from the table. And they're asking this one that's from our church, you know, what's going on? So she stood there and gave a play-by-play -play description. You know, just, you know, like the radio announcer, right now, you know. And uh, so she gets completely free. Well, the manager of the restaurant came over and stood next to her and said, uh, do you go to that church? And, uh, and she said, yes, I do. And he began to confess his sins. <laughs> See, power draws a line in the sand. <clears throat> Righteousness that's is seen in purity, people will admire them. <clears throat> but they expect the church to walk in purity. But when you walk in power, you upset everything that is comfortable about life. Wow. <clears throat> because they expect us to be moral and upright. They expect us to show compassion and love to people. And we absolutely must. Yeah. We must care for the broken, hurting, the poor, etc. But people don't always turn in repentance when they see you feeding the poor. They just applaud and say it's about time. But when there's power, something is upset in the unseen realm. Because every miracle releases glory. A miracle releases the glory into the atmosphere. It says in John 2, verse, I think it's verse 11, he says... And these signs Jesus did manifesting the Father's glory. So if you picture this, there's a miracle that takes place. And as soon as that miracle takes place, the glory, the manifested presence of Jesus is actually released into the atmosphere. How do you think the glory of the Lord is going to cover the earth? Do you think it's just this takeover invasion from heaven? Or is it a co-laboring role that you and I play? But there's actually a generation who, like Jesus said, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world before the end comes. The gospel of the kingdom, when it is preached in scripture, is always followed by miracle signs and wonders. It was never word only. It was always the display of the king's dominion. 
That's the good news of the kingdom. So Jesus would preach the kingdom. Miracles would take place. Glory was released into the atmosphere. What happens in the manifest presence of Jesus? What happens in that realm of glory? It clears the air out. People see different. They think different. They live under different influence. If you could picture tonight, we pray, and there's a hundred people that get healed. What just happened? There's a literal release of the glory, the weightiness of God's presence just became manifested through a miracle, and it changed the atmosphere. You see, the Lord gave us both power and authority as uh, tools, if you will, to work in miracle signs and wonders. It says he gave power and authority to heal the sick and to cast out devils. Power and authority are different. In power, you're waiting to see what God's doing. You're trying to catch a wave. In authority, you start the wave. In a room like this tonight, with this worship, and people that have come with faith, just believing God, there'll be waves of power that will go through the room. And in one meeting we had in Dallas, we had 83 people that had different levels of deafness, from complete deafness to a different levels of partial deafness. 83 people in about a 10 minute period of time, the power just swept through the room. 83 people were healed. I've never seen it many We're just in Perth, Australia. We had the same thing happen. There was this wave of power went through the room. And we had over 70 created miracles miracles in one night. Missing cartilage that would just get replaced. Uh, degenerative conditions, disintegrating bone uh, disease, uh, just weird stuff that just, he just restored. But these waves of power, what do we do? As the people of God, we're constantly looking for what the Lord is doing so we can cooperate with Him. He's trying to catch a wave. But when you're down at Walmart, you don't have a great worship team. Setting the stage. You don't have Pastor Charles and trying to stir up faith and encourage us over the intercom. You just have you and God in line waiting to pay for t-shirts. And in that place, you'll have to operate out of something other than catching away because there's no way to catch. So what do you do? You step into authority. Who you are in God, who God is in you. In authority, you are positioned to bring the same miracle. But what happens is if you watch, those of you that have done this, you, you operate out of authority, things start to break loose where you create a wave where now it's both power and authority that are operating in the same room. Does that make any sense whatsoever? One of the pastors who uh, is connected to our network uh, sent me a letter here recently and told me of an interesting flight he had coming back from Africa. He, preached the gospel there and prayed for the sick and saw a lot of great uh, miracles take place. And he's on the plane and he notices a lady across the aisle coming up real fidgety and, <clears throat> and the Lord just really dealt with him. He was to minister to her and so he, he leaned over and he said, did you hurt your back two weeks ago? And she looked at him like, how did you know? And he says, well, I'm a pastor. I just came back from Africa. I prayed for the sick that we had miracles. God just told me that you hurt your back. 
And he says, she said, I did. And he says, well, can I pray for you? She said, yes. He said, do you mind if I put my hand on you? And she said, oh, you mean now? <laughs> How many of you found that out? People think you're going to go home into your chapel, light a candle, you know, <laughs> kneel down, uh, you know, sprinkle water, do something, you know, in your prayer for them. <clears throat> he said, yeah, right now. She so said, okay. He lays his hands on her. The power got here until she falls out of the chair into the aisle of the plane. And right about that time, the stewardess comes around the corner, and there she is laying on the floor. And she says, what's going on? Do I need to get a doctor? And he says, no, she's okay. Which I had that experience once in a hotel. I prayed for one of the hotel maids. She had gotten healed by touching a, uh, a hanky that I had uh, left on the dresser of the, of my, in my room. She had come to work sick that day. She felt the presence of the Lord when she went into the room and realized it was the Lord and looked around the room and saw a, uh, a fruit basket with my name on it. She had been to a meeting that I'd done in that city a year earlier. And she looked around the room and she saw one of these sitting on the, on the Jewish yeah. and she went and touched it. The power of God went through her. Wow. And she was healed. So she left me this note so when I came back to the room, she's coming down. She said, did you see my note? I said, yeah, come here. So she came. I said, tell me the whole story. So she did. So I laid hands on her. She was down on the ground. <laughs> right about that time, a guy comes around the corner from the uh, elevator. And he goes, uh, can I help? And I said, uh, no, she's fine. Which, Thinking about it afterwards is not the most intelligent response. <laughs> no, she's fine. You know, here's this white man standing over a Hispanic lady who's laid out on the ground in the hall. It doesn't look real good. <laughs> and so I said, she's fine. He goes, no, really, can I help? I said, she's praying. <laughs> I see it. I was close. And he said, oh, and he walked on. He had a little brown bag with a bottle in it. I'm sure it was Coca-Cola or something. And as he's walking down the hall, he says, yeah, he says, we could all use prayer. I said, I'll pray for you. And he turned around and he said, I can use it. So I said, come here, put your bottle down. Right I've got my briefcase holding the door open, you know. He stands in the doorway and I just began to pray for him. He just begins to tremble with the power of God on him. And I decided I'm not going to ask him if he wants to receive Christ. I just think it's a good idea. <laughs> I mean, he's already under the influence. So I said, pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Holy Father, I come to you as a sinner. I come to you as a sinner. I just let him just pray for repentance. He's just, just broken before the Lord, you know. Thank you, God. So I, I, I kind of have that feeling. Stewardess says, can I get a doctor? And he says, no, she's, she's okay. I was just praying for healing for her. About that time, she comes to and says, this is a pastor. He's just come back from Africa where he saw God heal people. And I fell on the ice two weeks ago. And he prayed for me. God just healed my back. And the stewardess says, Well, I hurt my knee four weeks ago. I've been in constant pain. Would you pray for me? So he said, Yes. She said, Will I fall? He said, I don't know. 
so he prayed for her. When he was through praying for her, he turned around and there's three more people in the aisle. So he starts praying for the first one. And he hears over the intercom, the stewardess, says, there's a pastor on the plane, just come back from Africa. And he prayed for the sick and God healed people. He just healed a woman. So come on the aisle. I hurt my knee four weeks ago. He prayed for me. God healed me. If anyone needs prayer, <laughs> come in the galleyway between first class and coach. Good. All right. So, about that time, this large Englishman comes up to him and says, Can I catch? <laughs> He was very encouraged. There was at least one other person on the plane who knew what was going on. <laughs> at one point, he'd been praying for so many people. At one point, the Englishman came to him and said, you got to slow down. I'm running out of place to put bodies. <laughs> and he looked around, and every square inch is covered with a body. When it was all over with, he had a two-hour-long healing meeting over the Atlantic Ocean. Coming back from here. Five people were converted. Including a young, uh, Arabic young man who was coming over to have surgery on his shoulder. And the Lord healed him. <laughs> and he got born again. Stockholm, Sweden, just a few weeks ago, and it was really uh, wonderful. We got to hold these meetings at a 400-year-old cathedral, and they told us that there had never been, it was a miracle that they let us use it, first of all, and then uh, found out they had never had any meeting like that in the 400-year history of that cathedral, and Jesus showed up and did what he does best. How many of you have learned? He's the extravagant one. We just create room for him. That's all we do. He's, he's the extreme one. And uh, the second night, uh, after a bunch of folks got healed, we ran out of time because we were supposed to be out in a certain hour. So there was a city square, like just one block away. So we just took these, I think it was like 800 people to fit into this cathedral. And we just said... We're going out to the city square and pray for the sick. So this whole crowd just goes out to a large portion that goes out to the city square. And the power of God just showed up so beautifully. In fact, we had more miracles out there than we had in the cathedral. I think the Lord just gets excited when we almost go. The go of the gospel. 
and uh, so much stuff happened, including a man who had uh, already had the intravenous install uh, uh, for chemotherapy that he was supposed to start the next week uh, because of esophagus cancer. And uh, the man was dying. And uh, he came out to that city square and we prayed for him. He healed him completely. He went back to the doctor the next week. They said, we can't find any cancer. And uh, so they never even started the chemotherapy uh, process. So just another yega. It's just, it's just what Jesus is doing in there. I want you to look at this one passage. We're going to read one verse. I normally teach about an hour on this one. I'm going to try to do it in about 15 or 20 minutes. See if I can do it. And uh, I'm just going to abbreviate it, give you just a couple highlight thoughts, and then we're going to pray for folks. Verse 16. Luke 16, verse 16. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached, and everyone is pressing into it. The law and the prophets were until John. What is the implication? They were until John. The implication is they're not anymore. The law and the prophets serve us well in that they pointed to the fact that we're sinners. Number two, it pointed to Jesus. It led us to Christ. And number three, it portrays the coming kingdom. It gives us glimpses and pictures of the kingdom of God. The Old Testament is written for our instruction. It is a rich benefit, but it is not to take us back under Old Testament mantles to get New Testament results. While I don't know anyone who is trying to get us back to sacrificing animals, for forgiveness of sin, I do know many who are trying to get us under the mantles of Old Testament prophets that are focused on performance. Instead of transformation through the Spirit of God. Jesus makes a profound statement here. He says, the law and the prophets were until John. The implication is they're not anymore. And then it was replaced by what? The gospel of the kingdom is now being preached and everyone is pressing into it. Catch the phrase, everyone is pressing into it. Is it possible that the nature of the message determines the size of the harvest? Jesus would have preached most of the sermons that were preached this last weekend all across our country. If he were to have preached those messages, he never would have been crucified. That's true. gospel of the kingdom is a message that requires extraordinary courage. What's happening in Lakeland, I know many of you have plugged into the show of stuff here. Many of you have gone. You're witnessing a young man with extraordinary courage. 
is a friend of God. God likes him. <laughs> he knows he's so wild he'll do anything he tells him. He tends to shine on those kind of people. But that's actually what's happening. Because there's a message that requires extraordinary courage. How about getting a message that requires so much courage on our part that God is drawn into a situation to say amen to the very words that were spoken. That's what it means when it says these signs will follow those who believe. That they went out everywhere preaching and God showed up confirming the word the signs and wonders that follow. The preaching is not just in pulpits. Every one of you are preachers. We proclaim, we declare, we confess. We do it in our workplace, relationships, neighborhoods. Uh, you know, we just do it through life. It's just who we are. But the right word with courage attracts God into a situation where he supports what was declared with miracles, signs, and wonders. Did you know that we have a responsibility, one of the greatest responsibilities we have is to carry the nature of God into society. They need to know how good he is. See, the insurance companies blame God for hurricanes and earthquakes. They're called acts of God. Where did they get their theology? You guys got to work with me here a little bit. How many storms did Jesus bless? How many times was he in a life-threatening storm and he said, go over to that city, wipe them out, It'll teach them to pray. Then they'll become more like me. When did Jesus ever use calamity to bring about a righteous end? He's perfectly honest. Every idea, everything he did, he got from the Father. So there's not a divided house. It's not Jesus the mercy one and the Father the angry one. Most people who preach that God is an angry Father do so in equal proportion to their inability to demonstrate his power. People who believe that God is an angry father, those who preach that God is an angry father, do so in equal proportion to their inability to demonstrate his power. Because we attempt to compensate for what is missing. And it's much easier as a preacher to blame you for not having faith and preach harshly to you and try to compensate for what's missing in my own life. To know truth is different than living truth. See, what the Lord requires of us is you can read a book, get information, spout it off, and you'll inspire people, but you can't transform them. There's no powerful transformation. Because the truth wasn't processed through your experience. But when truth becomes flesh in you, then when you talk, you actually are giving away who you've become. And you break off the bread of your own life that makes possible the participants to experience transforming power because they experience truth that was made flesh. It's easy to blame people when you minister to them and stuff doesn't happen. And I, I don't, you know, I don't want to pretend like no faith or little faith. 
You know, those, those aren't issues. Those are issues. Jesus addressed them over and over again. But have you ever noticed that those people he he uh, corrected because they had no faith? Did you ever notice he still provided the miracle? Yeah. I mean, I've looked at, I've tried to find the different levels of faith in Scripture, and uh, and there's you know there's there's the heroes, you know, like like the guy who says, "Just say the word, my servant will be healed." I mean, Jesus was stunned by his faith. You know, he was stunned by the faith of the woman who just thought like he just touch his clothing. I'd be well. He was impacted. He was, he was, he was wowed by faith in people, stunned. But there's a few others, you know, like the like the person who says, "If you're willing." Well, that's not great faith, but it's it's in the right. At least he knows where to go. But the worst level of faith I could find in the Bible is the guy who said to God, "If you're able." <laughs> Now, life already moves the needle on the bottom of the little uh, scale there. It's just, it's just barely jiggling on the bottom there, you know. I mean, that's hardly even measurable. So Jesus said, fine, well, he says, if, it's, if, if you're able, if I'm able, if you're able, all things are possible for those who believe. What did he do next? Healed the son. Why? To give him access to the greater faith. <laughs> so... We have responsibility in private to touch God and then take that out and give it away. You don't find Jesus Christ for the sick. Never. I'm not saying he didn't, but there's no record. It's because he prayed all night before the meeting started. So that when he met the leper or the blind man. He was ready. The disciples tried to bring deliverance to a child and they couldn't. And uh, it was really frustrating to him, I'm sure, because it's the only time we at least have a record of where he tried, they tried and missed. So they asked Jesus, they said, how come we couldn't? And they said, well, this kind only comes out for fast. And then Jesus didn't pray or fast. Just got the kid free. That's because we think of praying and fasting for a specific breakthrough. Jesus had already prayed and fasted into a lifestyle. Amen. So this passage says the kingdom of God was preached, excuse me, that the law and the prophets were until John. And since that time the kingdom of God is being preached and everyone is pressing into it. There's a difference between the gospel of salvation and the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of salvation is a part of the gospel of the kingdom, but the gospel of salvation is focused on getting people to heaven. The gospel of the kingdom is focused on bringing heaven to earth. One is my destiny, the other is my assignment. I can't afford to confuse my destiny with my assignment. I'm going to heaven. My responsibility is to bring the gospel of the kingdom makes that reality present. How so? Jesus said, my words to you are spirit and they are life. When I talk to you, my words become spirit, he would say. Are you guys alive? Yeah. Are they all right? 
Jesus is the Word of God made flesh, and now when he talks, his Word becomes spirit. That's why there was an atmospheric shift over every crowd he talked to, because the Spirit himself was released into the air. When the Spirit of God is released over a crowd, it changes their possibilities. It changes their point of reasoning. People who had no hunger for God a moment ago suddenly are hungry. Yeah. We saw that in Toronto years ago. We've seen it in various outbreaks of the Spirit. People would go to mock, and suddenly the Spirit of God would come on them. They'd be the most desperate people in the world. But five minutes earlier, they could care less. They weren't known by anyone as people that were interested in things of God. But when God touches them suddenly, they've become the most passionate people. Why? Because when the Spirit of God comes, He clears the air of all wrong influence and gives people a clear shot of truth. That's why it's vital that we learn the presence of the Spirit of God. Learn to recognize what He's saying and what He's doing. Because when you say what He's doing, say what He's saying, then your words become spirit. How many of you have been in a situation where it's just tense or uh, sad or whatever? One person walks into a room, they make one statement, and it just everybody feels good. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they come in and suddenly it's like, oh, yeah, things are going to be okay. What happened? They were just saying what the Father was saying. All they did is their words became spirit. The spirit changed the atmosphere in the room. until John. John is the one who started the message, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The law and the prophets had an appetite that would demand every life ever born from now to the next million years if there weren't a savior. The law had, a, it was like fire that was unquenchable. You know, you've never seen a fire that you put a log on and says, oh, please don't give me any more. I've burned all I can burn. I'm exhausted. I'm so stuffed I couldn't eat another log. <laughs> That's the way the law and the prophets were. It had an appetite to consume every life ever born from now until forever. It was that demanding. Nothing could quench it except for one thing. Jesus stepped into that fire called the law and the prophets as the perfect satisfaction to quench that which was unquenchable. And it stopped. When Jesus hung on the cross and yelled out, It is finished. He was not just saying, My life in human form is over. He was saying, I satisfied the requirements of the law. I satisfied the requirements of the prophets. There is a new message that when you speak it, what you speak about becomes manifested. Do you know that what you speak about, what you declare, determines the reality that the people around you will enjoy?
we've seen so many situations, especially in public places. You know, people aren't walking around the shopping mall with great faith. They're just trying to buy stuff. And then someone will come up to somebody who's injured or sick or dying or whatever, and they'll just talk to them. And as they start telling them the stories of God's goodness, suddenly they have available to them options that they did not have five minutes earlier. There's a whole new grid that they get to live from, a whole new system that they get to operate with that became manifest through the declaration of the word. We cannot replace the need for the preaching of the word. The proclamation, the confession, the declaration. It's in the declaring of a word that takes courage to declare. God is drawn into a situation and his power becomes available to enforce and to confirm the very word that was spoken. The more we learn to be courageous, the more we learn to be bold in declaring the message that he actually gave us to preach. That is, the dominion of God is within reach, and there is no situation outside of his care. If it matters to you, it matters to him. And you can with confidence tell neighbors, tell friends, tell anybody, if it matters to you, it matters to him. The stuff that we see happen, I know that this is a house that sees so many wonderful, wonderful miracles, so I I know I'm not telling you anything new. The things that we see happen in public places, the the people that get exposed to the power of God, the love of God, the things that happen in their lives is just absolutely astounding. And it's because somebody had the courage to say something. Somebody had the courage to step in and to tell that grandma, the cane and the lake rights, what they saw God do. And her heart just melts. And she ends up carrying the brace and the cane out of the mall mm-hmm. because Jesus healed her. It's just like his people are waiting. He's the desire of the nations, the Bible says. Wow. They've already been wired to want him. Amen. They've already been designed to crave and to hunger for him. It's it's their makeup. It's who they are. They've been created so that all fulfillment in life comes from intimacy with God. They're already designed that way. And we're just people that have to take that message in word form and declare it. And then be ready to serve. Be ready to pray. Sometimes it's a miracle. Sometimes it's encouragement. Sometimes it's a friend. It's a you know, an embrace. It's, but the point is, is that this thing is different than it's ever been. And Jesus expects us to discover the richness of the message that we've carried. And it's called the message of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is at hand. And we'll build it's, it's now, but it's not yet. Yeah, I used to like that phrase. I used to like it. I don't like it anymore because I only hear people tell it, say it now when they want to tell me what I can't have. When they want to set a parameter and a boundary that's not set in Scripture. Jesus had no problem talking about time and eternity in the same breath. It's closer than you think. See, I don't pay attention to any warnings of possible excess from someone who's satisfied with lack.
Good point. I don't listen to warnings from anyone about possible exits if I see that they are satisfied with lack. I don't want a person who doesn't have to set the boundaries of what I can't have. Because they want me to be like them, then they can be comfortable the way they are. I'm not in this to be comfortable. Right. I'm not in this. I'm not looking to be comfortable. I'm not going to lower the scripture to my standard of living. I don't want to be. Re- I don't want to be affirmed where I'm at. I don't want to stay where I'm at. I'm glad I'm here, not where I used to be, but I'm on my way to somewhere. Yes. I don't plan to stay here as long as I'm breathing. I'm going to be passing new things. You know, we got this strange tension in our life because we've got this incredible opportunity to be thankful for what God has done. We've seen, I've seen thousands and thousands of miracles. I'm thankful, but I'm just not content. Because you know what? People come to me in the name of Jesus, and they expect to get from me what they get from Jesus in the Scripture. And not everyone who comes to me leaves with what Jesus gave them. Not everyone sees, everyone who came to Jesus left healed. Not everyone who leaves me gets healed. And I'm not going to create a doctrine that makes that okay. I'm not going to do no shame because I already learned that didn't help me. I tried that one. It only motivated me to pray extra hard for a day or two and then I got exhausted. Guilt and shame are horrible taskmasters. I'm not going to do guilt and shame, but I'm also not going to just create a doctrine that says, well, it's okay, because sometimes it's just not God's will. Okay, fine. Show me in Jesus' life. What about Lazarus? He didn't go and pray for him when he was sick. Okay, you got one. You raised him from the dead. So you don't have to pray for a sick person if you promise to raise him from the dead. (laughs) Jesus. I know that some of you came for a miracle, and I'm very sensitive to that. We're going to pray in just a moment. But I didn't come for a miracle. I came to see people transformed that will take this out there. Come on. Because when this is in here, it dies in here. The way this increases is because it's exercised out there. Where we see the greatest breakthrough. Is by people, everyday people, who see miracles from two or three year olds, four year olds. Two year old, two and a half year old girl prays for a woman in a wheelchair in the mall, she gets healed. Oh, uh, yeah, I like that. We learned that children don't have a junior Holy Ghost. <laughs> so the reason I'm here, I mean, don't misunderstand me, I'm going to rejoice with miracles as much as anybody in the room, I can promise you. And we're going to see them in just a moment. The Lord's going to touch people. But I'm here for one reason. I'm here to partner with your leaders to raise up an army that will rise up and shape the course of world history. It's the privilege, the assignment we've been given. Through word and through action. To shape the course of world history. Amen. 
Nations are waiting for somebody with an answer. They want to be discipled. Jesus said, disciple nations. They want someone to disciple them. Because they have people that are dying. There's famines. There are all the crises. And there's no answer. And the church has access to all the answers. They're looking. So I pray that in these couple of days we have together, that the Spirit of God will come on people. People that that never thought you could have that kind of impact or role. It's not about the greatness of any individual or the greatness of any gift. It's about the greatness of the one who lives inside Amen. 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 A few weeks ago, we had a leaders gathering. Before that gathering, it was a three-day conference. And before that gathering, the Lord spoke to me very clearly that this was all going to be about impartation. This leaders gathering. Now, it's usually, and it's really, it's been for years been strong prophetic teaching. But he, he let me know really early on this one was going to be about impartation. And it was very difficult to teach in that environment. And I've got a feeling that these three days are going to be all about impartation. Now, you may not have hands laid on you for impartation, but I want you to know if you're hungry enough, it's in the room. Because there's a, there's a glory that is already released that's going to increase. Here, I want to challenge you in something. come together tomorrow night and we sing and we honor the Lord. Try joining faith to the words we're singing. For example, pour out your glory. What does that mean then? You better make room. Because he's not interested in us being sold on a concept. He's interested in us making room for what we just asked for. Or increase your power, okay? Get ready. The simple things that we pray for, he is more eager to give them than I am to receive. Because all this season, I've heard it a thousand times, but this season that we are in is all about the glory. There have been times past where you could ignore the glory and function okay. I think we're coming into a season where we won't be able to function much without the glory. The glory that manifests the presence of God. So I want you just to stand, if you would, and turn, uh, turn your faces heavenward. And let's take a moment just to honor the Lord Jesus. Out of your heart, let that river, the deep in your heart, flow to the deep of God and give Him the honor that He has due. The place, the place in your thoughts, the place in your affections. 
the place. Just, let's just worship Jesus for a moment. Even without songs, without all the things that I love that help me, I want right now, I want it to be really raw. It's you, it's me, it's Jesus. Either he's here or he's not. And he's here. If he's here, he deserves to be Worthy Lord. Jesus. No other name now just put a hand on the shoulder of somebody next to you and I want you to pray expecting the glory, the increase Just frighten me that increase the glory. The glory you start frightening. This temple right here is made for your glory. The glory increase the glory. Pray that the Lord would increase their capacity. Hallelujah. That we would leap the areas of the glory. That we would leap the glory. Everywhere we go. That the glory of the Lord would be in us. We would be the sponges. Come on. More. A lot more. A lot more. More than we can even think or imagine. Come on. Come on. Come on. Fresh baptism. 
It's not a guilt or shame, it's just that I'm so, I'm so needy. So needy. Lord God, we come to be impacted by your presence. We come to be impacted by your presence. We come to be impacted by your presence. Who's been carrying? 
that migraine uh, and, and your life. Put your hand up. Uh, let's see who you are. People around them, just uh, lay hands on them right now. Put your hand on their head lightly and command. It ends tonight. Pronounce freedom to them. That cycle of pain, devouring pain. That's right. It's devoured time, devoured energy, it's devoured faith. We break that cycle in the name of Jesus, declaring it ends tonight. It ends tonight. I hear the word ulcerated, and I'm not sure what part of the body he's dealing with. So anyone who has any ulcerated condition at all, ulcerated colon, ulcers in the stomach, ulcerated anything, um, I just heard the word ulcerated. So if, that, if you have anything to do that has to do with that, put a hand up real quick. Just put it up quickly. Ulcerated anything. Stick, stick your hand up. Get right over here. Those that are, get, that are near them, uh, stick your hand up on them start to pray. Right there. Over here, there's another one. Yeah, way in the back. People gather around. Look around. You're the, you're the team right now. You're the ones that are doing the praying. So we just uh, we declare in Jesus' name a full restoration of, uh, of that uh, condition right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I saw the Lord restoring somebody's right hip. It's actually a degenerative condition in the joint. It's literally in the joint. It's not high. It's not in the back. It is the hip joint itself. And uh, I, I think um, you, you uh, are needing a hip replacement or you fear that you need one. There's some kind of a degenerative condition in that right hip. Who's that? Put your hand up quickly because the Lord's going to heal that. Where are you? Where, is, that, is that the hand there? Okay, somebody... I see a hand up this Somebody get in there and start to pray. There's another one down here. A woman on woman, man on man, put your hand on that hip. Put your hand on it and declare all things new. All things new. Who has degenerative condition in the spine? There's degenerative conditions in the spine. Who is that? From the base of the skull down to the tailbone. Anywhere in there, you're a legal target. All right? Right here. Find out, those of you that are around there, find out where it is. Put your hand up. That, that's you. You want to get in on this real quickly. Okay, you see the hands are up. Those of you that are near them, find out where on the spine. Put your hand up. If it's a tailbone, man on man, woman on woman. Alright? Put your hand on that spine and declare the word of the Lord. All things new. All things new. Who is missing the cartilage in their knees? Who's missing cartilage in the knees? Everyone who is missing cartilage in the knees, step into the aisle. Everyone with a knee thing, step into the aisle. Everyone who is missing cartilage in the knee, step into the aisle. People gather around them, find out which knee, and begin to declare all things new. The worlds were created by the world. So what you want to do is you want to speak. The cartilage form yes, in this now, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the creative work of your Holy Spirit in these needs. In Jesus' name. What God has done, He does completely. 
Who's that? The bone, the bone, uh, is right down here. Somebody gather around her right there. Begin to pray. Let them know what a part of the body and they can join with you. Alright, every anyone and everyone with cancer, I want us to go after cancer right now. If you have cancer, put a hand up. If you're not able to scan, you're in a chair that those of you around them, you know who they are. Begin to gather around them and find out where the cancer is. We've got to go after this. Uh, cancer is intolerable. Alright, anybody with cancer? Is there anybody with a terminal disease of any kind? Any kind of terminal disease, a disease from which you will die without a miracle. Put a hand up. Okay, we've got one here. Uh, we've got a hand up over there, way in the back. Okay, look around you. If there's a hand up close to you, uh, gather around them and begin to pray. Find out what it is and command it to leave. We break the power of affliction right now in the name of Jesus. By the spirit of infirmity, and we command that to leave people's bodies now in Jesus' name. Cancer, out in Jesus' name. I want you to pray for the Lord to vindicate every person who has cancer. They have family members around them. Cancer devours. I want you to pray for God to vindicate and restore. Not only strength, but self-esteem, finances, time, all of it. Pray for the Lord to vindicate that right now. In Jesus' name, everyone will be vindicated. There's someone who has a blindness uh, in the right eye, blindness or deteriorating sight in the right eye. Who is that? Put your hand up quickly. Where's it? Right back over here. Somebody, okay, there's another one here. Look around you. If anybody's got their hand up, it's your job to find them. Start praying for them. Find them. Yeah, just get in there. Begin to pray. Command that eye to be whole in the name of the Lord. Thanks, Lord Jesus. Thank you, thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, is there anyone uh, with a cancer or terminal disease and nobody's praying for you? If that's the case, wave a hand at me because I want to make sure to get somebody to you. Wave your hand at me so I can see you. It's hard for me to tell who's covered and who isn't. I see a hand up there. Is anybody praying for that one? Uh, looks like, okay. Wave your hand so I can see you, because I'll get someone to you. Right here, we need someone. Okay, all right. We've been having autism heal. We've started to get some breakthrough finally in this last year in autism. So, let's just go for that. If you have any. Any uh, any autistic uh, child person uh, here? Uh, all right, all right. Just the people around. Let's find out if the child is here. Pray. If it's not, pray for the, uh, the grandmother, the mother, whoever's here. Just pray for them because we're going to see this stuff heal. Uh, we've we've had I think uh, 37 cases now of bipolar that have been healed. 
And um, so the Lord is really doing a work in the in the brain stuff. Uh, brain healing here. So let's just go for You know what? Let's just go for it based on the testimony. If there's anybody who is bipolar or you have a family member bipolar and you want to Father, the blood flow is going through this body to places it was not before. The vessels are being opened up. Hallelujah. 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 I thank you, Father. The blood is flowing to the brain. Restoration is taking place. I thank you, Father, that the brain is functioning. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, that the synapse are firing. Hallelujah. I thank you, Father, that that body is balanced. It is balanced in Jesus' we must get breakthrough in these areas. These kids cannot be bound to that chair for a lifetime in the chair. It has to matter. This is an absolute injustice. It's that abortion spirit working to snuff out another life. And uh, it's got to matter to us. We're going to pray and we pray. God, give us an anointing. A point
I just keep praying here. Anyone has an ankle, the right, the left ankle that had a previous injury that even when it's healed, it still gives you a lot of pain? Okay, who has that left ankle previous injury? I just did here correctly, right back over here. Gather around and pray. Put your hand on the left ankle and commend it well. You don't have to pray long for this one. This is the fast one. Just put your hand on it, commend it well, and then those of you that just got prayer for something that you couldn't do, do it quickly. Don't wait to feel heat and tingling and all that sort of stuff. And does anyone have an injury to the neck right above that big knot there? Um, possibly someone hit you by accident um, and just has an injury that's still there? Okay. Right, who has that? It's an injury at the very base of the neck. Uh, injury. Who was it? Alright, there's more way in the back there. Please, everybody look around to make sure the people around you are covered. Okay, so I've got to have you help me with this stuff, alright? Alright, you're going to be amazed at how many people have been healed in this thing. The Lord is doing a great work. Um, there's, there's some people here with, you know, like, it's like psoriasis, like eczema on the head and even coming down on the right side, kind of into the facial area right now in the name of Jesus. Raise your hand, people around you pray. And uh, your skin's going to clear up. Your skin's clearing up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for healing up. Healing the flesh, healing the appearance, healing, taking away this itching burning in Jesus' name. Thank you. That's right. Based on that, let's just go for skin cancer. Anybody have skin cancer? Anybody have reoccurring cases of skin cancer? You've had it removed more than once. It keeps coming back. Who is that? Put your hand up because we're going to end that thing. That the Lord is healing skin right now. I think we need to go off of that one. We had cancer fall off of somebody's face like two, three nights ago. Uh, without even prayer. It just happened. So if that's you, put a hand up and the people around you will pray. And then just end that, end that cycle, end that curse. Thanks, Lord. Let's worship the Lord for a moment. All of those of you who are not praying for people, just just lift up the name of Jesus with them for a moment too. Let's just let's just worship Jesus.
want to begin to pray right now against the spirit of cancer. I realize we already have people praying for, but I, I feel like I feel like this house needs to contend like our house for a cancer-free zone. The cancer could not exist when we gather the worship as a people. I want you to pray right now. Cancer has a life of its own. It is in spirit. Doctors will tell you it has a life of its own. It will actually run from one part of the body to another when it's being uh, when surgery is performed. It's, it's a demonic power that has to be broken. And it cannot be feared. It is, not, it is not to be something we treat with reverence. We must go after this in the name of the Lord. So I want everyone praying right now that there would be a deliverance. We've got people in this room that have come with great need. But we ask not only for them, but for a corporate breakthrough in the area of cancer. That there would be a on the right eye that uh, is uh, clearing up, healing, opening up. Who is that with the right eye? Please, right down here. Right eye. How long have you had that? Three or four years. 
and uh, and this eye just uh, the Lord just restored and healed that eye. Bless the Lord. Who got healed from that blow, that injury to the neck? Right in the back over here. Another one over here. Excellent, excellent. Now here, let me tell you something. It's really, really important. If you wait to feel something, they miss out. And I'm thankful about half the people we see get healed actually feel it happen. But that means then there's another half that don't feel anything. It just happens. And if you wait for some sensation, you miss out on what the Lord is doing. Because what we have found, we have seen, for example, in the area of cancer, just uh, this week we've seen cancer. We've seen in, in the last month, in the last six months, we've had a dramatic increase. I don't remember one person that felt it happen with the exception of the cancer that fell off the face. And he didn't feel it happen. He just uh, had somebody look and it was gone. And it fell off of his hand and onto a floor. We've had many cases of cancer healed. Not one of them knew it when it happened. It was in the hours and even days that followed that they realized all the cancer was gone. Now, if you have a tumor that can be felt, then I encourage you to examine to see if that tumor is still there. Because I want to tell you something about the presence of the Lord. It is normal for tumors to disappear in God's presence. It's normal. We should become accustomed to the fact that we just come into the presence and those things dissolve and disappear and leave. Thanks, Lord. How many of you got healed from that foot, uh, that foot malady, that injury to the right foot? There's one in the right foot and left foot. We'll take either one. Put your hands up. Yes, sir. How many of you got healed with more than one thing? Put your hands up. How many of you guys healed with more than one thing? We got some people that got overhauls. That's good. All right. Bless the Lord. Here's what I want to do to end with tonight. We're going to do two things. I'm going to ask you to do this. I know that many of you came needing a miracle. I'm going to ask you to turn to somebody by you and just find out what they need prayer for. And I want you just to pray for each other. If there's somebody next to you, just find out what they need prayer for. And just pray for them. At the end, I'm going to have a ministry team up here. You'll be able to come up and get prayer for other specific things. But right now, just turn to the person next to you. Find out if there's anything they need prayer for. Christ for the lovers. And, and uh, the effect is a lot of the kind of... It affects my other part of my body. All right. Sometimes the Lord heals and it's progressive over time. It's just a miracle going on in this young lady right here. It's a slow, progressive thing, at least up to this point. But we celebrate everything that Jesus does. And his diagnosis can change. So we ask you to restore the
Put a hand in the air so we can see who you are. Put it up high. Look around you. Look around. Now, back at home, we actually get excited when we see uh, people have been healed. Like that. We don't give a golf clap, you know, like that was a nice clap. Tell people what Jesus just did for you. You just got healed. What did he do for you? What did he do for you? 
what happened? I had um, degenerative disease in my lower back. I had a couple of uh, accidents. I'm a mailman, so I fell a couple of times about my 25 years experience, or rather my 25 years there. And I went to the doctor that had radiating pain on both sides, actually. Um, and I came here tonight, I was stiff. I got prayed for and I'm loose. My ankle was also hurting me. Um, I had sprained my ankle numerous times, and I believe the tendons and ligaments also was causing a lot of pain. And now I'm actually feeling my blood flowing through my ankle. I feel warm. that you're missing or you had damaged cartilage in the knee. Who was that that got? Anybody got healed heal of that? Back here you did? So somebody come up here with that. Tell me what happened. Somebody, somebody who got healed of that. Yeah, come, come on up here. What did Jesus do for you? I had injured my knees in uh, high school sports and wrestling. They always cracked a lot. And uh, right now, I was having pain, during, and then we prayed, and there's no more pain. I'm not sure if it still cracks. I didn't even check. But that's okay. It's all healed. It doesn't hurt. Praise the Lord. Anybody else with the knee of the cartilage issue? Cartilage, yeah? Come here, what happened to you? We've been having the Lord to actually replace missing stuff, which has been really fun. Can you replace um, the left knee? And I have bone on bone that's rubbing on both. I had a torn meniscus here, fell on this one, and I had two times surgery on this one. And I knew that was what? How is it? I'm doing good. And I, I just want to share the other one. You called out for autism? And that was Jacob, my grandson. A sister was here at Life Center, and she sat by me. And I believe she was an angel unaware, and she prayed for Jacob months ago. And she prayed for the neurons in his brain. The Lord would let blood, his, the Lord's blood flow through the neurons in his brain. And I could stand on that promise, on that healing for Jake, and you called out today. Good for you. That's wonderful news. And you have no pain in your Bone on bone. Praise God. Knee replacement on this one. And the day before I was going to go for the knee replacement, I got bronchitis real bad. And the Lord stopped it the whole year. So there's no pain bone on bone. That's good news. Thank you. There's a ministry team in uh, this house. And I want the ministry team to come on up to the front. And we're going to have a little bit extended time for those of you that want some personal prayer. We have a team here that will pray for you. And uh, uh, we'll turn it over to our sponsor. Well, wonderful. So, uh, yeah, just come on up. There's a lot. There's grace here. There's healing here. There's more and more. And... Uh, Father, we just thank you for what's gone on tonight. We pray these are just seeds of many hundreds of miracles that will be released into the community around this 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, uh, here's the deal. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, we'll be here again. And there's going to be more, more, more than that. And then uh, Sunday morning, 8.30 and 10.45, we'll be here again. So come on. God bless you.